Hello listeners. You are listening to Audibles for you. First of all, we would like to thank you for tuning up to our podcast. You had so many options, but you chose us. So now, it's our duty not to disappoint you and give all you deserve. In the last episode, we finished off with chapter 2. In this one, we'll start off with chapter 3 and now let's see up to where we can read it. So let's begin. Chapter 3 Dodging Bullets fear setting and escaping paralysis many a false step was made by standing still said by fortune cookie named must your fear be before banish it you can yoda from star wars the empire strikes back rio de janeiro brazil 20 feet and closing run run hans didn't speak portuguese but the meaning was clear enough holas his sneakers gripped firmly on the jagged rock and he drove his chest forward toward 3000 feet of nothing He held his breath on the final step and the panic drove him to near unconsciousness. His vision blurred at the edges, closing to a single pinpoint of light, and then he floated. The all-consuming celestial blue of the horizon hit his visual field an instant after he realized that the thermal updraft had caught him and the wings of the paraglider. Fear was behind him on the mountain top and thousands of feet above the resplendent green rainforest and pristine white beaches of Copacabana. Hans Killing had seen the light that was sunday on monday hans returned to his law office in century city los angeles's posh corporate haven and promptly handed in his 3 week notice for nearly 5 years he had faced this alarm clock with the same dread i have to do this for another 40 to 45 years he had once slept under his desk at the office after a punishing half done project only to wake up and continue on it the next morning that same morning he had made himself a promise two more times and i'm out of here 
strike number three came the day before he left for Brazil vacation. We all make these promises to ourselves and Hans had done it before as well. But things were now somehow different. He was different. He had realized something while arcing in slow circles toward the earth. Risks weren't that scary once you took them. His colleagues told him what he expected to hear. He was throwing it all away. He was an attorney on his way to the top. Well, what the hell did he want? Hans didn't know exactly what he wanted, but he had tasted it. On the other hand, he did know what bored him to tears, and he was done with it. No more passing days as the living dead, no more dinners where his colleagues compared cars, riding on the sugar high of a new BMW purchase until someone bought a, a more expensive Mercedes. It was over. Immediately, a strange shift began. Hans felt, for the first time in a long time, at peace with himself and what he was doing. He had always been terrified of plane turbulence, as if he might die with the best inside of him. But now, he could fly through a violent storm, sleeping like a baby. Strange indeed. More than a year later, he was still getting unsolicited job offers from law firms, but by then had started Nexus Surf, a premier surf adventure company based in the tropical paradise of Florianopolis, Brazil. He had met his dream girl, a carioca with camel-colored skin named Tatiana, and spent most of his time relaxing under palm trees or treating clients to the best times of their lives. Is this what he had been so afraid of? These days he often sees his former self in the underjoyed and overworked professionals he takes out on the waves, waiting for the swell. The true emotions come out. God, I wish I could do what you do. His reply is always the same. You can. The setting sun 
reflects off the surface of the water, providing a zen-like setting for a message he knows is true. It's not giving up to put your current path on indefinite pause. He could pick up his law career exactly where he left off if he wanted to. But that is the farthest thing from his mind. As they paddled back to shore after an awesome session, his clients get a hold of themselves and regain their composure. They set foot on shore and reality sinks its fangs in. I would, but I can't really throw it all away. He has to laugh. Part 2 of Chapter 3 The Power of Pessimism Defining the Nightmare Action may not always bring happiness, but there is no happiness without action said Benjamin Disraeli, former British Prime Minister. To do or not to do, to try or not to try, most people will vote no. Whether they consider themselves brave or not, uncertainty and the prospect of failure can be very scary noises in the shadows. Most people will choose unhappiness over uncertainty. For years, I set goals, made resolutions to change direction, and nothing came of either. I was just as insecure and scared as the rest of the world. The simple solution came to me accidentally four years ago. At that time, I had more money than I knew what to do with. I was making $70,000 or so per month and I was completely miserable, worse than ever. I had no time and was working myself to death. I had started my own company only to realize it would be nearly impossible to sell. Oops, I felt trapped and stupid at the same time. I should be able to figure this out, I thought. Why am I such an idiot? Why can't I make this work? Buckle up and stop being such a... What's wrong with me? The truth was, nothing was wrong with me. I hadn't reached my limit. I had reached the limit of my business model at the time. It wasn't the driver. It was the vehicle. Critical mistakes in its infancy would never let me sell it. I could hire magic elves 
and connect my brain to a supercomputer. It didn't matter. My little baby had some serious birth defects. The question then became, how do I free myself from this Frankenstein while making it self-sustaining? How do I pry myself from the tentacles of workaholism and the fear that it would fall to pieces without my 15-hour days? How do I escape this self-made prison? A trip, I decided. A sabbatical year around the world. So I took the trip, right? Well, I'll get to that. First, I felt it prudent to dance around with my shame, embarrassment and anger for six months, all the while playing an endless loop of reasons, reasons why my cop-out fantasy trip could never work. One of my more productive periods, for sure. Then one day, in my bliss of envisioning how bad my future suffering would be, I hit upon a gem of an idea. It was surely a highlight of my don't happy be worry phase. Why don't I decide exactly what my nightmare would be, the worst thing that could possibly happen as a result of my trip? Well. My business could fail while I'm overseas, for sure. Probably would. A legal warning letter would accidentally not get forwarded and I would get shoot. My business would be shut down and inventory would spoil on the shelves while I'm picking my toes in solitary misery on some cold shore in Ireland. Crying in the rain, I imagine. My bank account would crater by 80% and certainly my car and motorcycle in storage would be stolen. I suppose someone would probably spit on my head from a high-rise balcony while I am filling food scraps to a stray dog which would then spook and bite me squarely on the face. God, life is a cruel, hard bitch. Part 3 of Chapter 3 Conquering Fear equals Defining Fear Set aside a certain number of days during which you shall be content with the scantiest and cheapest fare with coarse and rough dress, saying to yourself the while, Is this the condition that I feared? said Seneca. Then a funny thing happened. In my undying quest to make myself miserable, 
I accidentally began to backpedal. As soon as I cut through the vague unease and ambiguous anxiety by defining my nightmare, the worst case scenario, I wasn't as worried about taking a trip. Suddenly, I started thinking of simple steps I could take to salvage my remaining resources and get back on track if all hell struck at once. I could always take a temporary bartending job to pay the rent if I had to. I could sell some furniture and cut back on eating out. I could steal lunch money from the kindergartners who passed my passed by my apartment every morning. The options were many. I realized it wouldn't be that hard to get back to where I was, let alone survive. Not of these things would be fatal, not even close. Mere panty pinches on the journey of life. I realized that on a scale of 1 to 10, I being nothing and 10 being permanently life-changing, my so-called worst-case scenario might have a temporary impact of 3 or 4. I believe this is true of most people and most would be holy shit my life is over disasters. Keep in mind that this is the one in a million disaster nightmare. On the other hand, if I realized my best case scenario or even a probable case scenario, it would easily have a permanent 9 or 10 positive, positive life changing effect. In other words, I was risking an unlikely and temporary 3 or 4 for a probable and permanent 9 or 10 and I could easily recover my baseline workaholic prison with a bit of extra work if I wanted to. This all equated to a significant realization. There was practically no risk, only one huge life-changing upside potential and I could resume my previous course without any more effort than I was already putting forth. That is when I made the decision to take the trip and bought a one-way ticket to Europe. I started planning my adventures and eliminating my physical and psychological baggage. None of my disasters came to pass, and my life has been a near fatal since. The business did better than ever, and I practically forgot about it was it as it financed my travels around the world in style for 15 months. Uncovering Fear Disguised as Optimism There's no difference between a pessimist who says, Oh, it's hopeless, so don't bother doing anything, 
and an optimist who says don't bother doing anything it's going to turn out fine anyway either way nothing happens Yvonne Chouinard founder of Patagonia fear comes in many forms and we usually don't call it by its four letter name fear itself is quite fear inducing most intelligent people in the world dress it up as something else optimistic denial most who avoid quitting their jobs entertain the thought that their course will improve with time or increases in income this seems valid and is a tempting hallucination when a job is boring or uninspiring instead of pure hell pure hell forces action but anything less can be endured with enough clever rationalization do you really think it will improve or is it wishful thinking and an excuse for inaction if you were confident in improvement would you really be questioning things so generally not this is fear of the unknown disguised as optimism are you better off than you were one year ago one month ago or one week ago if not things will not improve by themselves if you are kidding yourself it is time to stop stop and plan for a jump barring any james dean ending your life is going to be long 9 to 5 for your working lifetime of 40 to 50 years is a long ass time if the rescue doesn't come about 500 months of solid work how many do you have to go it's probably time to cut your losses someone called the mate d you have comfort you don't have luxury and don't tell me that money plays a part the luxury i advocate has nothing to do with money it cannot be bought it is the reward of those who have no fear of discomfort said by jean cocteau french poet novelist boxing manager and filmmaker whose collaborations were the inspiration for the term surrealism sometimes timing is perfect there are hundreds of cars circling a parking lot and someone pulls out of its spot 10 feet from the entrance just as you reach his or her bumper another christmas miracle other times the timing could be better the phone rings during sex and seems to ring for a half hour the ops guy shows up 10 minutes later bad timing can spoil the fun
Jean-Marc Hatchy landed in West Africa as a volunteer with high hopes of lending a helping hand. In that sense, his timing was great. She arrived in Ghana in the early 1980s in the middle of a cup d'etat. At the, at the peak of hyperinflation, and just in time for the worst drought in a decade. For the same reasons, some people would consider his timing quite poor from a more selfish survival standpoint. He had also missed the memo. The national menu had changed and they were out of luxuries like bread and clean water. He would be surviving for four months on a slush-like concoction of cornmeal and spinach. Not what most of us would order at the movie theater. Wow, I can survive. Jean Mark had passed the point of no return. But it didn't matter. After two weeks of adjusting to the breakfast, lunch and dinner, he had no desire to escape. The most basic of foods and good friends proved to be the only real necessities. And what would seem like a disaster from the outside was the most life-affirming epiphany he had ever experienced. The worst really wasn't that bad. To enjoy life, you don't need fancy nonsense, but you do need to control your time and realize that most things just aren't as serious as you make them out to be. Now 48, Jean-Marc lives in a nice home in Ontario, but could live without it. He has cash, but could fall into poverty tomorrow and it wouldn't matter. Some of his fondest memories still include nothing but friends and gruel. He is dedicated to creating special moments for himself and his family and is utterly con unconcerned with retirement. He's already lived 20 years of partial retirement in perfect health. Don't save it all for the end. There is every reason not to. So listeners, that was all about this episode, hope you enjoyed it and we will continue with chapter 4 in the next episode for the time being, goodbye and stay quarantined.